Life is lived large in Los Angeles. Ever since the orange groves of an arid hamlet called Hollywood gave way to the dream factories. In early 20th century, the actors and musicians who gravitated there wasted no time in taking their places. One of those actors was Charlie Chaplin. Building his first studio in the heart of the residential section of Hollywood at La Brea Avenue and naming it the Charlie Chaplin Studios. Today, the studio still stands as a landmark right across the street from where Bryce and I work, which is an acting academy. Ever since the school moved to that location, there were strange stories of a man in a bowler hat and cane roaming the grounds after hours. He can also be seen and felt in the theater. Later, a dormitory had taken over and an old apartment complex to house new students. However, more unusual stories were circulating around campus of a little girl roaming the halls of the second floor between the hours of 2 and 4 a.m. in the morning. Then soon, sightings of a shadow man in a fedora was making his presence known to the students. Who was this little girl roaming the second floor of the dorms? And who was this shadow man in the fedora? Is it Charlie Chaplin? Or is this something a little more sinister? We talk about this and much more in today's episode of Hollyweird Paranormals. Is our job haunted by the ghost of Charlie Chaplin? So take your seats because it's five minutes till curtain call. guys welcome back so it is episode five is our job haunted by the ghost of charlie chaplin <laughs> yes we're gonna be talking no, about <laughs> speculation wild speculation we also have a very special guest yes. with us today guys please meet katie mcfarland hi it's me <laughs> <laughs> professional so Katie McFarland is a student at our job. So for some of you who are probably just being introduced to mm. this uh, podcast for the first time, Bryce and I work together at an acting academy mm-hmm. in Hollywood. And the acting academy is directly located right across the street from the Jim Henson Studios, which were at one point the Charlie Chaplin mm-hmm. Studios. And I know that that studio has a lot of haunted history mm-hmm. as well. And maybe some of it has been making its way across the street into our territory. <laughs> and I know that uh, pretty much this is the reason why we started our podcast. Yes. Is because we would always like not only share some gossip <laughs> in, our, in my shop, but also like stories mm-hmm. that were circulating around campus. Mm-hmm. So real quickly, what I'm going to do for you guys is to paint a little story of California and how Ooh. it came to be the leading, you know, entertainment capital Mm -hmm. of the world so first off we have 1846 to 48 uh we just got done with the texas no with the mexican-american war so it's 1848 texas gained its independence and mexico had lost about one-third of its territory and including nearly all of the present day california Mm -hmm. utah nevada arizona and new mexico states so Gold was discovered in California Mm -hmm. just days before Mexico ceded 
the land to United States in the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo. So you had people coming into California for this gold rush, and then you had a lot of ruthless people in California for this gold mm-hmm. rush. So these people were coming into town, they were settling, and a majority of these people were also committing crimes. So I even researched that there are a lot of murders, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of beatings, robberies that were already being committed Mm -hmm. in Hollywood. And then you had a lot of other people coming in. You had Dutch, Spanish, Chinese, and Italians, and even English people were coming in. And one of those people were Charlie Chaplin. Mm -hmm. So Charlie Chaplin makes his way into Hollywood from the UK to work his ass off until he finally has enough money to build his studios, which opened up its doors in 1917 off of La Brea Avenue in DeLong Pre. And by this time, the population has almost tripled Mm. in Hollywood because of the film industry that was growing there. There is wealth in the films and in the orange groves that surround this area. And just a little preface of Charlie Chaplin, he proceeded to make some of the most memorable movies Mm -hmm. in those studios. So he makes City Lights, Modern Times, and The Great Dictator, but the British-born actor, director, and boss of Hollywood was dogged by claims that he was a communist. And after his immigration status was challenged in 53, he sold his business. At one point, the site was A&M Studios, headed by Herb Alpert. And in 1972, the American uh, Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences invited Chaplin to collect an honorary Oscar Mm. at the age of 82, which he was able to drive past his old haunt one last time. And then he passes away at the age of 87. Mm -hmm. And then you have Jim Henson, the company, come in in 1999. They buy the studios and they still stand today. It's a landmark. A lot of music, a lot of television and movies are produced there. And you cannot miss it because you can see Kermit the Frog in the very front of the entrance dressed up as the little tramp in honor Mm -hmm. of its lot's founder, Charlie Chaplin. And... Then you have our school <laughs> that was yeah. built right across from it. And it's it has some history. Mm-hmm. It has uh, some stories. But you also have some stories to yourself, Bryce. Yeah, I mean, most of the stuff that I sort of bring, I think, when we talk about these kinds of things is certainly a healthy dose of skepticism. But <laughs> along with that, I think when I can't understand what I'm experiencing. My, my sort of go-to instinct is to rationalize that. And the reason I'm even bringing that up is because with all of this area, specifically the sort of two blocks where our school and the Jim Henson studio is, mm-hmm. that area of sunset, like, I don't know why I said it like that. <laughs> yes, weird <laughs> emphasis. Um, there's so many, and I, we keep coming back to this word, but these layers of history yeah. that are so permeated in the modern time Mm -hmm. and so you know when I can't understand something that kind of energy just baseline that's like collected there over the course of the history of Hollywood that makes sense to me I can't explain like a ghost or a paranormal activity because it doesn't make sense to me but what I can understand is like how that could happen for example with this area we were just talking, if you listened to our earlier episode, the George Reeves Superman show was shot in the studios that at the time... Oh so, my God, yeah. Yeah, so they used to be 
the Charlie Chaplin Studios, and then when he sold them, through the line of ownership succession, essentially, one of the production companies that at a time owned those sound stages was the same company that did the Superman series. So again, it's just like, and you know, if you listen to that episode, there was so much turmoil around that show, around mm-hmm. George Reeves's personal life. All of that, to me, signifies energy that is building and collecting mm-hmm. and being, in essence, deposited in this very tiny radius of the school and the studios. And so I think it's very interesting, like you were saying, you know, you talk about the gold rush, you talk about the orange groves, you talk about once they become the actual studio, there's so much history there. Oh, yeah. To, like, mine You got it right there. When you say radius, um, for those that are not familiar with the Hollywood area, especially where we're at Mm. and the studios is located... We're in within radius and walking distance of the Knickerbocker, mm-hmm. of the Roosevelt, of the Hollywood Lesion Hall. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are hotbeds of paranormal energy. Mm-hmm. It has a ton of history, but it also has a ton of haunted history. Mm-hmm. And then you have these other hotels and apartments that we even talked about in our yes. last episode. They're Gershwin. Yes. Uh, you also have the Hollywood Tower. And then you also have the Ravenswood Apartments. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are all within a vicinity, a walking distance from where we're located. Mm-hmm. It's just all within its radius. Yeah. And so, it's, so one of the things, um, I don't know how much, or if you want to talk about this yet, but oh, his we could, mother. We could talk. <laughs> Let's just start with the mother issues because yes. that was the thing. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I just said this before we started. Everyone knows who Charlie Chaplin is, but when you start reading about his life. I mean, he is the first rags to riches story. He is the first like pillar of the industry. He essentially created what it means to be a movie star. Like it's mind blowing his like rise to fame from nothing, his fall and then his re-rise at the end of his life is insane to me. And I don't think we have anyone like that anymore. I I think a strong argument... Justin Bieber. Oh, get out. This podcast is canceled. (laughs) I was going to say, I think a strong case could maybe be made for Clint Eastwood because he composes and he directs and he produces and he acts. But even when you start looking at the volume of work, I mean, Charlie Chaplin, at one point, when he was working for his very first studio contract, he was making a film every week. I mean they were short films, they're short silence. But then when they started to move into like the motion picture, sound picture era, mm-hmm. he was making a film every four weeks, feature length. I can't wow. fathom that. I know. It's insane. So when you start thinking about like the body of work and the influence that he's had, I mean he is the first international superstar, yeah. like bar none. It's mind blowing to me. And like you kind of can't underplay his con- like contributions because like he is the one that set the bar and everything after that for good and for bad are kind of because like he paved that path yeah. which is crazy to me he he did he i mean he, he is a true rags to riches story mm-hmm. cuz he grew up pretty much poor because of his family. His right. father was an alcoholic. His mother was a vaudeville performer. Mm-hmm. Uh, she loses her voice. She ends up having to dance. And then also to make ends meet, like she becomes a dressmaker. Mm-hmm. And it still wasn't, you know, bringing in enough money into their household. So it 
you know, it was left up to Charlie Chaplin to perform and uh, pretty much perform out in the streets for money mm-hmm. to help support his family. And it was his mom that actually taught him how to, you know, the art of pantomime mm-hmm. and vaudeville, like how to get into vaudeville, how to perform, how to, you know, perform in front of people. And he took that and he moved to the States and he was like, I'm going to, you mm-hmm. know, do the best I can, mom, to take care of this family and make it big. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's what happened. Yeah. And that's the thing. So I think it's that really classic adversity making you strong type of scenario because he was in the poorhouse as a child and his father died when his, I think his dad was like 36 or 38 when he died. Yeah, he was very, very young. young from cirrhosis. And then his mother, like, loses her mind. I mean, she goes full, like, she's institutionalized. Mm -hmm. And she apparently had insanity from complications of a syphilis infection. Which, like, is so crazy to me. We've talked about this. We're just like, man, the fact that they didn't even just have a way to treat something that we don't even register anymore. Just, like, get a shot of penicillin, like... And that's it. And it, then they just didn't know. And it imprisoned it. her because it took away her sanity. Like, it's... So he basically, like you were saying, mm-hmm. has to pull himself up and, like, learn to perform. By the time he's, like, 13, he's dropped out of school. He's, like, in full tours. I mean, he's on the West End, so, like, let's not feel too bad for him. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... And it's so funny. One of the things that I noticed, too, was that he was in, like, a string of really bad movies. They were, like, terribly received mm-hmm. except for his performance like everything he was in like wow. those early years everybody was like this movie's terrible except for him this play horrible except for him so he's getting all of these like accolades so that by the time he comes to the United States and to California people know who he is even though he doesn't have any good credits to his name like oh that's all you've been in and he like pulls these huge sums because his essentially reviews are so good he's like yeah making at the time just buckets of money yes he was making a shit ton of money to the point where in the mid-20s he is owning half of hollywood yes and based on my research and who i was uh, speaking to uh, about him a couple weeks ago which was craig owens the author of haunted by history he was doing a book signing not too long ago at the Bearded Lady Vintage. Hi, Craig. Uh, yeah, he was really, he was so sweet. Guys, go get his book. It's, it's fucking phenomenal. But he is a really good researcher and historian. But he was telling me uh, that Charlie Chaplin was a tightwad. Like, oh, he yeah. was so stingy with his money. He had a ton of it. But uh, it wasn't until a famous actor pretty much gave him a piece of advice go into real estate mm-hmm. Charlie was like I don't know he's like dude just just do it trust me so then he started buying you know homes all over mm-hmm. Hollywood and West Hollywood Santa Monica and Glendale and then he starts buying property around town he even owned the I think it was the Avalon apartments mm-hmm. and it was at one point or Avalon's hotel mm-hmm. back then it was a place where they used to house silent film stars and he you know bought that property and soon after started buying half of Hollywood. And then it causes him to get into the string of interesting uh, relationships. Mm-hmm. Let's just put it this way. Homeboy's a Chester. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, there's so many things about, like, I think it's funny because he really is the first person that people had to reconcile the fact that he was not the same 
persona on camera. Right. Because there that didn't exist before then. There was no one as big as he had ever been. So that that wasn't, you know, we're so used to that now. I think at the time, people, that was one of the reasons when he started to decline in popularity. They couldn't separate that he wasn't this lovable, sort of down-on-his-luck tramp. In fact, the opposite. He's super controlling. He's super neurotic and type A. Like the reason he like wanted to do all these things with his own studio is because he is such a control freak. Yeah. And I think that translates into his illicit relationships with these children. I mean, it's like <laughs> his wives were all under the age of twenty-one. One of them was fifteen. Like it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, back I, then it was okay, and it quote, was unquote. it was like well, it's a uh, Charlie Chaplin. Oh, oh yeah, it's fine. No, it's fine. Yeah, he could do it, and it screwed him up because his first wife—I can't remember her first name. I have it. It, it was something gray. She was fifteen or sixteen. She was very young. Married him, then they have a rocky relationship. Mm-hmm. She soon approaches him and tells him, "Oh, I'm knocked up, mm-hmm. and you got to pay up." And I think at this time they were married. And prenups did not exist. So he got into a very messy situation with her money. There's one point where he was even telling her, I don't even think this is my child. And it was very sticky. And then while he was, you know, dealing with her, he jumps into Mm -hmm. the arms of another younger woman. And that doesn't even work out. His first wife's name was Mildred Harris. Okay. And she, crazy. I mean, that's the thing, too, is, again, like, touching on, like, scientific advancements. Right. It's just insane because she just said, like, oh, yeah, I'm pregnant. And so he married her to, like, avoid the scandal. Mm -hmm. Was not pregnant. Like, and it's just so crazy. Like, he kind of, like, not to defend him for being, like, I think at the time he was in his late 20s and she was 16. Um, So, again, not to, like, completely defend him, but... She, like, kind of conned him into marrying her. Then she does get pregnant when they are married. And then that child doesn't live. And so once that child is, like, no longer keeping them together, Mm -hmm. they're divorced, like, so quickly. And like you said, he then just jumps right to the next, To the next one. I know. You're 16? Yeah. Yeah, great. (laughs) It's fine. I love that. Let's hit it. Uh, (laughs) Let's hit it. Just imagine if MTV had a show. It would be, like, 16 and scandalous. Oh. <laughs> I think they do have 16 some 16 and 80 Charlie like Chaplin. Oh my god. Imagine that. And then we even pressed on his mother cuz his mother mm. will soon kind of like tag into the chain of events or unexplainable events. So Hannah as you as you said she suffered from syphilis and she was she had a relapse so she was out for a while which I think is so sad. It is. So and then uh, she ended up again losing her facilities, and so he actually moved her so that she could be in like permanent care and not in an institution. But she was on the lot, yes. Essentially, so again, that is you know she's impossible to deal with. She is not in control of her mental facilities, and so she's difficult. And I mean, the person that they have watching her or like caring for her is like almost unable to control her yeah and again like i would never advocate for like the horrible way we used to institutionalize people but the the alternative she was not being like well taken care of i mean financially of course 
but they could not control her. Yeah, her outbursts, Mm -hmm. everything. She had horrific episodes, and it pained Charlie Mm -hmm. to even see her be taken away to a mental health facility, and back then, they weren't the best caregivers at all. I do know from what I researched, yeah, uh, after he finally built his studios and he was making enough money he shipped her out and was living with him next door to the studio Mm -hmm. so apparently and i'll jump into this uh where we work there's two bungalows that Mm -hmm. still stand and i was told that they belong to charlie himself Mm -hmm. because he built his home right next to the studios he would wake up go to work from work go Mm -hmm. straight to bed and then do it all over again i mean he had to and he he had such a crazy filming schedule exactly and because of that schedule because his brother uh was even there with him mm-hmm. too his brother was working with him his mm-hmm. brother couldn't even take care of his mom and so they hired someone and then they shipped her out to stay in another home that he had bought in santa monica mm-hmm. and then moved her from there to glendale where she passes at the age of 62 wow so she did lead somewhat of a long life but it was very very arduous for her especially with her mental health and her episodes and it was very hard on Charlie because he was very, very, very close to his so mom. So one of the times that she was institutionalized, it was actually after their dad had already passed away. And he, his brother was already deployed. Mm-hmm. And so he, as like a nine-year-old, had to institutionalize her. Uh, so and yeah, then he was so like tough. homeless. And it was only for like a couple of days until his brother came back, I think, from the Navy. But just the trauma that you would experience yeah. from that as a nine-year-old, like, oh my god, that just so of course he like moved her out because how could he like reinstitutionalize? Like that would be so traumatic. Do you ever wonder if this is the reason why he was so attracted to younger women? Is hmm. because he wanted to attain some part of his youth that was missing? Interesting. You that know, was what I was thinking when you said like he was thirteen and like. He was like, ha- like had to immediately go into show business and stuff. Like he had to grow up so fast. He's mm-hmm. obviously wanting to like have that part of his life back. Yeah. And maybe he's just, you know, he never got to have like a first love or have a crush or go on a first date. So he's looking for the girls who he would have looked to at that mm-hmm. time. That's so hard. And you can see that. That's such a good point, Katie. You can see that like mirrored in so many of his films. There are a lot of them so autobiographical or semi-autobiographical and so like the kid was one of his first and like still most famous movies Mm -hmm. and it's about his the tramp character taking care of a young child who's also homeless it's like this father Mm -hmm. child type relationship and it's such a it still stands the test of time it's amazing what he was doing at the time nobody else was doing like comedy the way he was doing that, it like had serious notes. It was a lot slower paced, and like dealing with things like childhood poverty, which are not funny, mm-hmm. but bringing up these like social issues in a way that was reaching literally the entire world. And I think you're right, where it's just like that clearly is coming from the soil of his past, of just like mm-hmm. the seeds were planted, and then he's using that for his like creative output. I think. Yeah, that's a really good point. It's as cheesy as it sounds, but his life imitating art, imitating life, mm-hmm. Im- imitating art, and you know, yeah, he was a really good example of that. So why don't we segue into? We're just gonna just blowing through, dip our yeah. toe into the water here. We don't want to go way into it because we have some 
really juicy stories that Bryce is definitely going to share yes. about the school because he had you've been there in the school longer than I have. Yes, that's right. And Katie, our special guest, lives on campus and she has firsthand witnessed a lot of stuff. So, oof. so just to give you a broad paranormal aftermath of all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So we have the Jim Henson studio next door, which was originally the Charlie Chaplin studios. And I'm just going to use this story to pretty much give you a good idea of how haunted this place is. And this is a story that I found on prairieghost.com. This was on the message board when they were talking about the Chaplin studios. So this individual said that uh, she had worked as an event planner. And this is her story. I worked for an event planning company that managed an event at the Henson Studios in 2008. We started setting up in the daytime, and while alone in the longhouse, which we were told used to be the children's schoolhouse when it was the Chaplin Studios, I heard knocking on the glass windows throughout the day. When I went to the door, there was no one in the driveway or outside. Mm -hmm. Other staff reported seeing a woman in the dressing room area of the soundstage the description of her appearance and dress indicated it may have been the ghost of karen carpenter whose office was upstairs over the stage when the lot was a and m records several people saw her in the dressing rooms but no one saw her enter or exit the rooms i talked to the security and some of the staff there and they all confirmed that they'd all seen and heard those and other things while they'd work on the lot and this was from, you know, a firsthand account. Oh, my God. Um, there's also been <laughs> stories of a man in a top hat and a handlebar mustache on the roof and around the area. Even security there. I know for a fact that they're there because I went to an event there a couple of years ago. They're there 24-7 mm-hmm. because of just the type of neighborhood it is at night. Mm. Um, it's not the best neighborhood. Nope. Um, but they've said they've seen strange lights. They've uh, seen what looks like a shadow person walking on the grounds and they think someone is roaming on the ground. So they would go out and pretty much navigate throughout the whole entire studio to see if anyone was there. Someone broke in. No one's there. Oh, my God. Yes. Um, There's, you know, visions of a woman in one of the sound stages. She's in period garb. It's it, it just goes on and on. So already there's this active hotbed of paranormal mm-hmm. activity going on in that studio and of course the schoolhouse and the longhouse and then next door you have like the two bungalows that were rumored to be charlie chaplin's homes and now they're turned into the green room of our school mm-hmm. which is connected to the theater and the library uh which i haven't heard a lot of stories about but before the dormitories were not necessarily built but they were flipped from an old mm-hmm. apartment building there are other stories circulating mm-hmm. to Bryce because you, I mean, you started out as a student there and right. and you heard a lot of things that were happening. Right. And I have even been approached about some stories too that happened in my costume shop, mm-hmm. especially for my assistant. And I felt some odd things as well. Yeah. So the year before I was a student, they did One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest uh, as the, as like a main stage show. Mm-hmm. And the building that we're currently in is going under a lot of renovation right now. So there used to be storage in a lot of rooms that are now classrooms. Um, and then they've like been repurposed essentially because we're a growing school. Look at us go. Mm-hmm. And um, 
So in one of the costume annexes, they were storing all of the straight jackets for the production of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And I don't remember exactly. I think they were rentals, but I don't, I wouldn't swear to that. Um, but they, you know, that's a bulky item. So they were putting them like out of the main area and into like the separate little like annex room. And it, and I think we had the annex once you started, right? It wasn't. Yeah, we had the annex okay. and it was moved to okay, what that's is what now I thought. The, yeah, the props department. But so I know exactly that what you're door like was always locked. Mm-hmm. There's no way that like anyone would have been able to get in. It's not. It wasn't even in like a main thoroughway of the school, so it's not like someone would just be passing by and like, oh, look at these straight jackets. Like, mm-hmm. it's locked. They were in there, and allegedly, what happened is that after dress rehearsal, they lock all the costumes up and they come back the next day and the uh, I, I keep wanting to say trench coats and that is not the right word <laughs> the straight jackets have been shredded like as if something with like a knife or no. had sh- they were ribboned I mean oh they were ruined completely and they had to like rent more the day of which is just a nightmare anyway but like from inside this lock and like that was such an like angry violent incident I remember when I was hearing about it like over a year later when I like actually was a student the woman who was telling me was still like visibly shaken by it because it was such like a such a specific act of like the slashing and such a violent outpouring and like there were people who were also working at the school who were like, yeah, like we were in that like building at the time. Like we saw the coats, like we don't know what happened. And again, of course everyone's like, someone must have gotten in, someone must have broken in, but they checked and rechecked. Like there, there was no way the door was unlocked. So either like, there's just no explanation. Like how did someone get in that room through this like thick door that you cannot break into this like metal door that locks behind you. No, I could I could honestly vet for that because when I started in 2013, mm-hmm. I remember the annex and you had to have key access. Mm-hmm. And that door was very heavy and where the shop is located and the annex was located, it was right across the hall from the shop. And it was a busy hallway when chill, like students would transition from one studio mm-hmm. to the next, but no one would have known like that's the area of mm-hmm. where all the costumes were being stored or costumes were, you know, being stored for a specific show. I mean, it didn't even have a label. It was just this door. It was door. just a white door, just door and a white wall. And it to like second and to second bet for it too. Um when I started, I started as a costume coordinator and the costume director, mm-hmm. I remember her mentioning the story and she, but she would never completely tell me the full story because she would always get freaked out. Mm-hmm. And uh I remember getting tidbits from her uh, other assistant who was training me at the time. And she's like, yeah, it was really, it was really scary. We ended up having to buy the straight jackets, not the ones that were ruined. They were able to fix it, but they ended up having to like rush order just these random ones because they were specific period type Mm -hmm. looking straight jackets. And they're like, no, we had to just order them like overnight some that we found online 
to which I f- ended up finding them oh. in the back of our costume shop. Because my other story is, um, I never felt anything off or odd in the shop, but I always felt a weird, just a very weird energy mm-hmm. in the opposite corner of the shop where uh, the kitchen is adjacent with the washer and dryer unit. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my students or my assistants never liked to be there by themselves. They always felt like they were being watched. And uh, they just didn't like being back there. And I remember I had one coordinator that would open up the shop at 8.15, 8.30 in the morning Mm. because she would always leave early to go to her other job. And uh, I would always come in like around 9, 9.30. So she would always make coffee in the morning in the kitchen. And she told me one one morning she was making coffee she thought i was coming in early because she saw someone walking back and forth no and she, mind you no one is in the bottom level of that school at this time there's people at admissions upstairs but there's no one downstairs she's the first person because props doesn't show up until 9 9 15 mm-hmm. so it's 8 35 she's like calling out my name no one's answering <laughs> and then finally she just like She's like, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like conclude it as what I think it is. So she just like rushes to her computer and starts doing work, starts answering emails. I come in at 9.15 and she's like, I have to tell you this. I thought you were here this morning at 8.30 with me. And I said, no, I just, I'm just coming in. She's like, I swear to God, I saw someone walking back and forth. Oh no. In the dorm frame. Like I thought it was you. I thought you were like getting stuff in your car. Cause there's times where I would go shopping and I would bring like fabrics or, you know, just mm-hmm. stuff for the shop. And sometimes I'm in and out and she thought that that was me and it wasn't. <laughs> and she like, I could just tell like the look in her eyes when I told her, no, I'm just coming in. She was like, uh, uh, no, thank you. From now on at 9am. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I don't want to be here too early. Cause she was by herself in the mornings yeah. at times. And, um, when Randy, well, when the costume mm-hmm. director stepped down and I took her position, I remember we did a mass sweep of the shop. We did a mass cleanup in the summer. And I was in charge of cleaning up the back where the washer and dryer was. And I hated that area too, because there's times where I feel like someone's behind me when I'm washing the clothes and picking it out of the dryer. I thought like, I would always feel like someone's behind me. And I remember cleaning up this one section and I found this bin of straight jackets. And I just thought, Okay, for one, why is this bin under heaps and heaps of costumes sure. in this one aisle? I, I didn't even know it existed. Right. So I took it out. We ended up moving it to the new annex across from the hall. And since then, the energy has felt lighter. Wait, we still have them? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we still have them. And they're in, the, they're in the annex, which is across the hall from the shop. And... Ever since then, it's been a little more relaxed in that area. And then another story that I have, too, is when we were fitting one of the first years. And um, they were thinking about creating the back entrance Mm -hmm. as the main entrance to the shop. So we always had the front entrance closed. Mm -hmm. And it kind of sucked because we were like, well, that entrance in the back, anyone can come in and out Mm -hmm. of. So we need to find out if we could put a sensor or something there. 
And so they not only put a sensor, Mm -hmm. but they ended up putting like a a latch for the door to hook it open because Mm -hmm. the door was so heavy. A doorstop wasn't strong enough to hold it open. So they put a metal latch against the wall to latch onto the back of the door to hold it open. Mm -mm. That thing never gave us problems, never closed on its own. And so one of the girls that we were fitting, you know, she was talking about the library. She was telling us, yeah, you know, I get a weird vibe in one of the rooms. It's this room with the computers and I feel this horrific pain in my stomach and in my head. And uh, she even told us like, she's not a clairvoyant, but she, she's very sensitive. Mm And then we started talking about Charlie Chaplin. We told her the stories. We, we even told her we think he haunts this place. And she said, I, I'm not surprised because I just feel like I feel like a male energy in that in that in that library. Because I know that from what I was told, he used to live there. What? So as we were talking, one of my assistants, she was a skeptic, was a skeptic. Um, she, you know, starts to say, oh, I don't believe in any of this bullshit. You know, this is all stupid. I think it's just a story that just has been mm-hmm. circulating, yada, yada, yada. I kid you not. The sensor all of a sudden goes off and as if someone is exiting or entering the, the shop and the door like closes shut. No. It closes by itself. And we rush to the back. Oh my God. We're like, who, what? Because we were like, well, how, how in the hell did this happen? Mm-hmm. We were standing like in in view of that back entrance and we noticed no one coming in and out no one was coming in and out i went into the props department no one was in the props department it was locked there and they were working in the theater oh my god so who or what closed that door and that door had that latch especially in conjunction with like her sort of like dismissal of it and then it's like well, I'm going to show you. Like clockwork. Right after she said, oh, this is BS. I don't believe in this stuff. I don't believe. Boom, it happened. Oh, my God. So that was the last that we've experienced. But other than that, nothing. Nothing has come up since mm-hmm. then until we have our dear friend Katie here. No, no. <laughs> well, can I just say, watching your face is my internal reaction it's so nice to see it like projected on someone else because i am also just like mortified you guys have to stay tuned to this right now because katie told me something while we were waiting for bryce to come over and because we love bryce's reactions we're not going to share it i don't even think you heard about this news like i flipped when she told me about this story yeah so I'm going to pass the mic no. <laughs> over to Katie and she is going to make us like shite in our pants. <laughs> Should I start with that one or not? Um, I'll get to it. Get to it. Oh, shoot. Okay. <laughs> take us on a journey, Katie. Yeah, take us on a journey, Katie. You're just like this bright young flower coming into Los Angeles, going to make her way big. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> Watch out for the Charlie Chaplin. Yeah, exactly. For the, what did you call them? The Chesters? Yeah. <laughs> sugar daddies now yeah um okay well i mean i live in housing Mm -hmm. on campus uh which we actually only got two years ago really this is our second full Mm -hmm. year of having it for students Mm -hmm. um and the building itself is very old like it's i want to say like 1970s like it's been Mm -hmm. around for a while um but we redid all the interior so it's all new and everything but the history is still there we haven't touched like cement or pavement Mm -hmm. like it's all the same you know with a different shell on the outside (laughs) 
Um, I've lived in it for two years now, and my first year, um, there were these rooms that are kind of like, one, like they're, they're like on two corners mm. of each other. It's like 101 and 102, um, and then like I lived in 110, but I was very good friends with the residents in those rooms, and I hung out with the girls, because there was a girl room and a guy room, and I hung out with the girls a lot, and they were like in my school sections, and uh, one day they said, oh, like, there's a little girl who lives here. And I was like, well, do one of you have a, have a daughter or something? <laughs> like, I was like, wait, what do you mean? And they're like, oh, no, there's this little girl spirit, which, I mean, just let's start off with horror movie scenarios, number one. Number one, yes. Death is imminent. Yes. They tell you, and you're like, okay, so if you want me to die, you tell me this stuff. If not, I'll just die of natural causes that will look questionable. Mm-hmm. But now you know right. I've been murdered. So, um, <laughs> so like... They're just like, oh, there's this little girl presence. And I was like, great, I'm going to go now. Um, And they're like, no, 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 she's harmless. She's harmless. And I was like, prove it. Like, I don't believe you. Um, But apparently, one of the roommates in there, uh, she's like clairvoyant and can talk to the other side and has like not good communications with them, but like has those skills where she can understand it. Mm. And it kind of, you know, um, comes to her in like shapes and feelings and she can interpret from that. And then one of the other girls in the apartment, she was Australian, um, she was told that uh, she has a lot of spirits that surround her. Like, she just has one of those personalities that things latch onto. And she, oh. yeah, I know, creepy, creepy. No. But she can, she can like, sense things mm-hmm. lightly, but she's never been really bothered by it. She's just like, oh, yeah, I know. Like, there's a lot of things that surround me. I've been told that before. And I'm like, how are you not freaking out? Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. insane. It's crazy. so calm. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to have one of those personalities where dogs are just attached to me, like puppies. Yeah, yeah. 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 Can, I, can I choose what's attached haunting. to me? Chocolate cake. Yeah. Like, Ooh. I just always find chocolate cake in my hand. Like, oh, you know, no. that would be great. Okay. Haunted. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, it's fine. It's whatever. You know, it's like a keychain. What the hell? No. Like, um, so she she's like prone to all these things, like being attached to her. And um, her roommate tells her, like, do you feel anything new? And. My friend, her name's Kat, she says, um, yeah, I do. Like, I feel this really young energy, and I feel it following me across campus, but it stops, like, as soon as I leave housing, but Whoa. it picks back up again when I'm in housing. And, like, mm-hmm. I, basically they told me, like, the shortcuts of all of these things that have happened to them, and I was like, how could you not tell anyone mm-hmm. before this? But so, basically, this girl has been, like, their room has a little hallway and then doors closed to their actual personal mm-hmm. rooms, and um, she told me that she'll feel the presence really strongly in the living room and then she'll start to walk away. And like, you know, that feeling where you were saying, like, you can feel someone watching you. Mm. Yeah. That's what she said she felt. But then she would get to her room and if she closed the door and like she lived on the she slept on the top bunk, she would go up there and she wouldn't feel it anymore. But one night, like her roommate went to the bathroom and left the door open. No. And that's here's the thing is that the girl who was clairvoyant was telling me was that spirits once they're invited into places can get in like it can get into those places again but if you set boundaries they can't be Mm. and this was just something that she discovered over time and i was like oh okay cool and she she gave me this little key phrase that was just like i respect you and i'm aware of you please keep your distance you know like it was like being like hello goodbye um yeah and she was like if you ever feel scared say that saying and i was like okay like whatever 
And then um, Kat said that she went into her room and she went to sleep on her top bunk the next night and she closed the door and she could feel the presence Mm-mm. of like someone looking at you but it's like really intense so it's like she said she was right above her oh my god like she was like sitting like right above her face like inches apart from her and she was just like this is the scariest thing and she had to just pretend to be asleep mm. but like this little presence hadn't done anything yet so anyway they were just like telling me all this stuff oh my and they're like there was this other time where um their speaker was connected and um <laughs> this is actually kind of a funny story. Like, I didn't know jokes like could happen with ghosts, but <laughs> but like um, their speaker was connected and it was it, like no music was playing and it was connected to this totally different roommate's phone. Like, and it started playing Hannah Montana. Yeah, that's the story that we shared in our last episode. Yes, yes. Like, you're the one that experienced it, so you yeah. were like giving us first yeah. person account. <laughs> but it started playing Hannah Montana, and we were all just like, oh. Katrine, like that's so weird that you, <laughs> you like that. And she's like, I don't have it. My phone's not connected. Ah, fuck. And that and shit. we were like, wait, what? And so we all looked at all of our phones, and nobody's phone was like searching for Bluetooth. Nothing was connected oh, to the speaker. But the speaker was on and blaring this song, and we were just like, what the hell is happening? And like Vin Payton just suddenly like gets a weird look on her face, and this is like the clairvoyant one. She just goes, oh, it's her. And we're just Girl, like, okay, no, I'm not fine, okay. Yeah. Fine, <laughs> it's like, no. Mm, okay, putting on my shoes. If you get a look on your face and say, it's her, I'm yeah. out. That's yeah. it. No, That's the no. line. Like, but she was so chill about it. She was like, I didn't even, like, because it, there were so many other, like, actual female presences right in front of her. She mm. was like, I didn't even sense it. And she just kind of snuck in and she was here. But basically, like, she kept almost stalking this one roommate because she just got so attached to her that they had to, at one point, like, do like to say like set boundaries mm-hmm. it's like having a cat you know like <laughs> it just like it follows you into rooms yeah you like close the door it's scratching at the door like you know like you gotta be, like it's creepy as hell because you can't see this cat but like Ooh. yeah Please don't bring me anything that's dead <laughs> yes oh, literally we already did no <laughs> like, ghost cat why no ghost cat why ghost yeah but so they told me these stories and i didn't really believe mm-hmm. them and then they'd also said they'd sensed a male presence Mm, this is where it gets really freaky and where I get involved and I don't like it. Uh, it gets really fucked up. Yeah, yeah. No, no. <laughs> That's the scientific term for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that was all in 101, which was the girls' room where all of that stuff happened. And, like, you know, it was mostly, like, Hannah Montana music's playing. I feel her presence. Like, And then the guys' room was 102. And I, one of my best friends was this guy, Andrew, who used to live in that room. And so we would go over and like marathon movies together. And this one night, we'd done this millions of times before and nothing had happened. Mm -hmm. And this one night we were in this room and we had all the lights off and it's kind of like an open area room where you can see into the kitchen Mm -hmm. and like the living room's just right there. It's all just like a square or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so um, the kitchen is completely dark and the only light that's in this apartment is coming from this little lamp on like next to the couches and then the light of the tv mm-hmm. and like as the movie's ending it like goes to black and me and andrew are idiots and so we were just like laughing like making jokes and like i remember i was like spinning around in a circle and i turned toward the kitchen to like stop and oh my god it scares me so bad <laughs> but like there was this silhouette of this man with a bowler hat on in the kitchen? In the kitchen. No. Standing there watching me. And it's not like, you know, in movies you see, like, the images of ghosts or whatever mm. that, like, you can see, you can clearly depict, like, where their clothes are, like, if he's wearing a tie or anything. To me, it was just 
like it was dark in the kitchen and there was these shadows that were almost knit together even like thicker mm -hmm. to form the silhouette of a, a, a man with like a thick bowler hat and the only thing I could tell like defining about him was that bowler hat mm -hmm. and I literally like I like where his eyes should be there was like a little bit of a glow mm -hmm. and it kind of like I looked straight into them it sent shivers down my spine and I burst into tears and I don't cry mm -hmm. and I'm not like a person who gets really scared like if something scares me I punch it but like, <laughs> like it's a good you know I go, life, yeah. haunted houses are scared of me you know mm -hmm. like but but with this one like I just shivers down my spine I immediately crumpled on the ground I started like sobbing and I was like Andrew Andrew please turn on the lights I can't like I, I really need like I need more light in this place. I need more light. And he was like, what are you talking about? Like, what's happening? Because he didn't see anything. Right. And I couldn't even look in this, like, we had this sliding glass door. And I couldn't even look at it because I knew there would be a reflection of him. And I was so scared. And he was like, I don't believe you, whatever. And, like, goes and, like, turns on some more lights. And then he, he, like, looks at me and is, like, trying to make me, like, okay. And he's, his back is to the glass door. So his face is facing towards the kitchen. And I look at him and I'm like, I saw a man in the kitchen. And he looks up and his face just goes white. And I'm just like, don't fuck with me. Like there's somebody there. And he's like, I know there's someone there. Oh my God. And I was like, he saw it even burn it. after the light was <laughs> he, on. He turned on one light near us. Like it was yeah, another yeah, yeah, yeah. lamp like that helped nothing. And, and I was like, I looked at him and I was like, just look at me. Don't look at him. Like, oh my we God. We had this moment where we were just like, I can't, I fucking can't. And like, I just kind of basically went, I hate you, and like flipped on lights or whatever. And so we spent the rest of the night just like utterly terrified. Yeah. And like kind of trying to decipher what happened. And I don't, like, I didn't really <sighs> believe in ghosts. It was fucking crazy. And so our night ended, and I was just like, Ugh, it was like 3 a.m. or whatever because we're idiots and like got scared out of our lives. I walk back to my room in 110. There had been no ghost activity outside of these two apartments. I was so tired. I like went to my couch and I was like, I can't sleep yet. I'm so scared. Mm -hmm. So I turn on the lights and I turn on like friends on the television and I fall asleep on the couch. And you know how you kind of wake up? Oh my God. Like a little bit, but you're not fully awake mm -hmm. yet. I woke up because I felt like someone was there. All of my roommates are asleep. I'm on the couch. I'm passed out. My head is like a back, like against the back of the couch. So it's like facing upwards. And Kat had described to me how she felt someone was no. right there. And it's almost like you're in an empty room, but it feels completely full. And I opened my eyes, and we'd had these lights that hung on our, our oh, ceiling. And no. they'd been there since the beginning of the school year. Like, they're, mm -hmm. they're, they were secure. A strand fell right in front of my face. And, like, just right in front of me. Like, the rest of it was connected. It was just enough to be, like, inches from my face. And I just, like, started crying a little bit, and I went... I respect your presence. Oh, my God. I only ask that you respect mine and give me space. I walked to my room, closed the door, and, like, went to bed. Like, it was the scariest shit. Oh, my God. And then, okay, so since then, I have not told anyone that story except for you two. Mm -hmm. And um, this year, these first years who live in um, 307... They came up to me and like we were just having normal normal day normal mm -hmm. fucking day and then <laughs> he comes up to me and he's like Katie is is housing haunted and I was like um <laughs> hello I was like, nice I was to see like, you <laughs> I was like I was like what no no of course maybe no like <laughs> don't call your parents you know yeah I was just like I I don't know why would you mm -hmm. why would you ask me and just want to tell you something oh my and, god and he was like because 
we saw this man. <sighs> and he took out his phone and he showed me a picture of it. And he described it to me. I had never said anything mm-hmm. to him. He said, it was thickly knit shadows <sighs> of a man in a bowler hat. And I was like, don't fuck with me. And he was like, this is the picture. And he showed me. And I was just like, housing's haunted. Okay, I saw him. <laughs> like I was like, you got it out of me. And like he said they'd been like, he'd been knocking on their door and like walking away and just like distracting them and um like knocking some things down in the kitchen and the guy who saw him was completely alone in the apartment standing in the kitchen took the picture of him basically would be standing right behind him in the reflection of the sliding glass door oh my god and it's just it's honestly horrifying we have this picture guys on our instagram you can go on there and see it mm-hmm. comment what you see but it's on the left side you can clearly see the student on the yeah. right mm-hmm. and then you cannot miss the I was, black individual I, in the left but it looks like he's sitting so tammy you oh, actually yeah. like Ooh, sent me yeah, i think you were working so the front scared. desk <laughs> yeah the day and you're like go find katie and like look at this picture on her phone and i was yeah. like oh okay like <laughs> i'm sure it's nothing like again uh, i really do approach everything so skeptically mm-hmm. just because like I don't know how else to be, honestly. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I don't know. Just this <laughs> is what you how get. You deal with things. Yeah. yeah. And so I like came. I was like, "Hey, I heard you had a photo." And then you showed it to me, and I like gave you the phone back, and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> shit!" Like it terrified yeah. me. I mean, it's so much clearer. Uh, yeah. And like, like you were saying, Tammy, obvious. Like I was expecting to have to like look yeah, and be like, like oh, "Yeah, I if you squint, it's Bigfoot." Like I get it. Like no, yeah. like. Mm-hmm. Again, go look at this mm. picture. It's insane how, yeah. I mean, it's so obvious. It scared me so bad because I hadn't, like, I'd kind of mm-hmm. forgotten about it and I hadn't described it to anyone. And then he just shows me this picture. And I'm like, that's exactly what I saw. And oh it my scared God. me so bad. Um, and then we thought that uh, the ghost thing had been over, me and Andrew, and he moved upstairs into, like, uh, the third floor apartments. And um, did I tell you the story? I think I told Tammy the story. But, like, we were sitting on his couch and my phone was about to die and it was like sitting next to me or whatever. And um, we were talking and I was like, you know, that was so weird. You know, that one time we saw that ghost or whatever, you know, basically we'd like forgotten about it. And we we're like, oh, that's so weird. Yeah. And he was like, he, he said that he had seen other things, but I don't think he really did mm. besides like that one time. Um, and then like we're sitting there talking and I'm like, do you think it followed you up here? Do you think it followed us to the third floor? And he was like, no, no, I don't, I don't think it did, you know, because we're all so skeptics and trying to rationalize mm-hmm. everything. And my phone suddenly turns on and starts playing Ghost by Halsey, Stop. which I wasn't, Spotify wasn't open. That's it was not so, left on no. play or anything. And I was like, what, what the fuck? And it started like blasting like the part of it that's singing about like there's a ghost or whatever. And I pick it up and I look at it and me and Andrew look at each other and the phone immediately powers off and loses battery. No. If you can't trust Halsey, who can you trust? <laughs> trust. Oh my God. Yeah. Definitely not Hannah Montana. No. Oh my God. I love these ghosts it in their music, music taste. Yeah. yeah. They really have good taste. It's really specific. No. Like. Oh my God. No. Oh my God. Wait, no. what if the Hannah Montana was like best of both worlds? You get me? Ah, <laughs> uh, puns. These ghosts, they're so clever. Yeah. That's mortifying that was probably like i know the man in the hat scared me but like that specifically scared me more because it took power of my possessions mm. and i was like "Ooh, i don't i don't like that you can do this that's freaking freaky mm-hmm. that's what they're known to do yeah so 
And it shows, too, that it's not just room-specific, but that, at the very least, it's yeah. building-specific. Yeah. It, no, it, that building has a, a lot of energy. And you even mentioned it, too, what yeah. Peyton was saying about it. Yeah, she because I was talking uh, with Tammy like in the costume shop when we were initially like, like oh, did, did you see a, go- mm-hmm. a ghost? Like, oh, I might have seen a ghost. You know, testing out the water of door course. and be like, okay, really, though? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> And, like, we would messaged her, and then finally I saw her after that, and I was just like, I'm sorry, like, I peppered you with all those questions, but, like, w- what can you tell me about this school? And she was like, well, you know, to be honest, Hollywood in itself is a huge, like, It's almost, the wind. It's okay. It's like, I know, I looked at it, and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> It's like a huge hot spot mm-hmm. for paranormal activity because ghosts and abnormal activities are attracted to strong emotions and Hollywood of course like let's just start there that's it is the huge. hotbed of emotion yeah. yeah but we go to an acting school and we have to go into these scenes about depression about anger about family struggles about all of these deep seated emotions mm-hmm. and we bring that back with us to our rooms because it's five steps away from campus mm-hmm. and he, she was like this specifically is like just a beacon like we attract so much activity to our campus just based off of the activities we do on a normal basis yeah like, it's just, like, a radar, like, please come haunt us, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> in itself. Wow. I mean, and that makes sense, because you're, you know, where are you rehearsing? You're not rehearsing in class. Mm-hmm. You're rehearsing in your room. Yeah. Late at night. Alone. Alone. <laughs> breaking down your emotions. And, like, mm-hmm. you were saying, there's so many, you know, the things you want to watch on television are compelling stories mm-hmm. about the human condition, the human struggle, of course ghosts are drawn to that yeah. or whatever and yeah. energies spirits mm-hmm. whatever you want to call them yeah of course th- mm-hmm. there's a pressure cooker of a housing building yeah. just full of hormones and emotions yeah. and interpersonal dramas and you know we're all so much in bullshit. an industry that gives you a lot of anxiety there's all these things just stewing mm-hmm. and Ugh. it just makes it uh, the perfect conditions mm-hmm. for anything to like get into your psyche and get into your life oh my god yeah. real quickly i'm sure a lot of people want to know and have questions mm. about shadow people mm. or the hat man is perhaps the most ubiquitous on the subject of shadow figures mm. you know he's a tall male shadow entity wearing a wide brim hat who has been witnessed by many all over the world and it's not just nice. one place yeah all over the world. And in my opinion, he's a shadow person with pizzazz. Um, uh, <laughs> since uh, the rest of them are just basic. And I probably mm-hmm. like brought this up too. I wonder if there's like a convention of shadow people. And like out of all of them, they're like, oh, well, there's Richard. He's got to stand out in his freaking hat. You know? He's got his flare on again. You get it, Richard. Yeah. The special. specialist <laughs> shadow person. Imagine here in Los Angeles in Silver Lake, there's like the shadow man with the man bun, you know, working at a cafe, serve coffee. But did you just assume his shadow gender? How (laughs) dare you? I'm shadow gender neutral. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) I know. As I said it, they's shadow. They's them. Them's. We are not politically correct because shadow people are terrifying. (laughs) They terrify the political correctness right out of me. In many cases, the hat man seems to be hanging around places that have harbored negative energy. So he's attracted to negative Mm. energy, such as households, hospitals, asylums, prisons, and even schools where domestic sexual abuse has taken place, uh, murders has taken place, fighting, depression has taken Mm. place, and it's attractive. Mm-hmm. Yes, pretty much everything that's happened in and around the city is why he is there. 
and one oh my God. one resident uh, medium, and she's on the show of Dead Files, and she, in my opinion, she really gives a good uh, outlook on it. Her name is Amy Allen, and I quote, uh, she says that shadow people are interdimensional entities that fall on the side of evil time and time again. They're just attracted to anything that's negative. So I feel like when you first saw him, he he wanted to get that rise out of you. It's like, he, he's like, no, I want you to be scared of me. I'm going to, I'm going to really take control of this. It's so weird that you say that because I was talking to Peyton and she was telling me like, this is when I was like, Oh, uh, there are ghosts here. And mm-hmm. she's like, yeah, there's a lot of them. Duh. Um, but she was telling me that, um, he was a negative energy. And I was mm-hmm. like, I felt so scared. I did not feel like, because you know, Wyburn hat, we immediately thought Charlie Chaplin. Mm-hmm. We immediately thought, Oh, Charlie Chaplin, the nice guy. Because we know his persona. We don't know, like, all of this other backstory mm. about him. And she was like, it's definitely not. It, it wouldn't be that happy persona of mm-hmm. him. It would have been the side that stayed, whatever that is, or the side of somebody who's who's darker. And a lot of the times they say that darker spirits disguise themselves as something familiar and nice so that they can be let into your life yes. and they can get what they want, which they want fear. Mm-hmm. Or at least this specific one has evoked fear so far. Wow. Um, and so he knows apparently or mm-hmm. is able to sense that like we'll see a hat and be like, oh, someone familiar and then immediately just it gets darker from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, we believe, or in the beginning, we believed it was Charlie Chaplin mm-hmm. because there were other stories too, and one that was told to us by a director that works very closely in the theater of our school, and she pretty much almost lives there. Mm-hmm. Her office is one in one of the bungalows, and she's had stories of like this entity, you know, playing tricks on her, hiding her keys. Uh, there was this one instance, well, two stories. Uh, she was entering the theater and she noticed the shadowy figure on, you know, one of the side stages, and she freaked out. And she noticed that this figure was male and had a bowler. The Ugh. second instance, she was uh, in a dress rehearsal on in in the audience, and she notices that one there's this actor doing a monologue, and he's the only one on stage. The rest of his cast they're in the green room getting ready for curtain. So the only person backstage was the stage manager. It was a girl. And out of the blue, she notices this man in the back of the stage, stage right, with a hat. Mm. And she's pissed. She's pissed. She thinks it's, it's an actor. Like, what the fuck is he doing back there? There should be no one else on stage besides this actor delivering his monologue. So after the show, she talks to the stage manager. She's, she's asking her, who in the fuck was standing back there like while this guy was giving his monologue like who what actor was standing there and she tells her no one was backstage Ugh. everyone was getting changed everyone was getting changed they had ample time to get changed so no one should have been back there they had to you know be on standby in 15 minutes like no one should have been back there oh my god so she claims it is Charlie Chaplin but this entity that everyone else is dealing with could be someone else that you even mentioned that you got receipts on from someone that works there. And I, when you told me this story earlier, I flipped out. Bryce has no idea. Oh, I'm geared up. I'm ready. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, okay. So, I I had to. 
we'd have this talk and then it Halloween had come up and mm. like I help with events on campus and like student involvement and so I was doing research for a Charlie Chaplin themed scavenger hunt and I was like where's some spooky spots on campus and so <laughs> like I'd, I'd pinpointed the library and the theater and stuff and like all those stories and um, there's this one guy who works on campus and um, he's been there for forever like there's some like funny stories where people are like you want to know why you never see him leave campus and they're like why and they're like he's a ghost and I'm like okay ha 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 <laughs> I've seen real stuff like, yeah, uh. yeah. Um, but I asked him and I was like hey like are there any spots on campus that I could use in this scavenger hunt that you've had like paranormal activity and he was like oh no no I don't know anything about that and I was like no come on like I'm sure you, you've worked here long enough you know about these stories and he was like okay so you know this campus used to be a orange orchard at one point and I was like, yeah, yeah, Bryce told me about that. And then he was just like, okay, well, you know, the one remaining orange tree on our property, we can't cut it down. And I was like, why? And he was like, because there's a dead body buried under it. Oh, my God. <laughs> Burn it down. Burn the school down. Oh, my. What? Yeah. Build black. Burn yeah. it down. Move. <laughs> yeah. He said that a guy died, like, he said he was murdered or something. Like, he, he, basically, this guy died, and then they planted him under the tree, and they haven't cut it down, or they don't do anything to it, because there's a dead body under it. Oh. My. God. Bryce, we were talking about this, because you were even mentioning there has to have been some yes. crazy shit that happened in those orchards, yeah. because back then, like I mentioned, there are all these people coming into town. Yeah. From all walks of life, and Lord knows how they got rid of evidence, you know? I, well, I, I mean, it's smart to bury it under a tree because yeah. the roots, as it they just, grow, would destroy and absorb yeah. the forensic evidence. Yeah, you know what I yeah. mean? Uh, oh, that's so smart. Uh, <laughs> God, so now we have the Shadow Man. Oh my Could god. He possibly be linked the to The next time you see him he has a basket of oranges. He's like <laughs> He's like I heard. You want I some heard. oranges? I know. You play you're, some Halsey. We you're could talk. <laughs> I don't buy oranges anymore. Oh my god. Oh my god. No, but here's here's the other thing is that um it seemed that because after this energy, this male energy I saw of the man the very first time I told Peyton and she was like, oh, that's like I've sensed him before and he's a very evil energy. And she said that the little girl was scared of him. Like the little girl no. was afraid of him and runs from him. And this little girl had actually like when they were telling me more about her, she had been through like some horrible abuse when she was alive. Like that's why she died was that like basically somebody like raped her and killed her oh my God. and i was like is it him is he the person who killed her and is now trying to get after her like it's just uh, it's like Ugh. you even mentioned to me and um you know if you don't want to like go into it but um i mean negative energy when something negative happens mm. something is attracted to it or when someone carries it with them it just it just attracts anything around it um but you're telling me there's a, a unit of girls in the dormitory that have been feeling him in certain ways. Uh, yeah. That the reason why they feel him in those ways and even see him is because they've gone through some sort of traumatic experience. They've yeah. gone through abuse in their life. Oh, my God. Yeah, there's this one 
like group of girls who all live in the same room like yay let's just make it a hotbed for all this stuff mm-hmm. and um they were on my floor and i they came to me and they were just like i'm so scared in my apartment i was like why is it one of your roommates like let, let's talk mm-hmm. about this and they were like no 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 i just i just feel things and i was like what do you feel mm. and they're just like we feel this energy and the door never shuts behind us it's always a little bit open and the guy has come up and like repaired it a bunch of times and so it, it works but it never shuts and like he'll leave and then it, it won't work again and um and so i was like okay and like i'd known a little bit of their backstories and known that they'd been through like a lot of stuff in mm. their own personal lives things similar to like what that little girl ghost had gone through and um just all fucked up kind of things that horrible people would do and uh i was like i didn't want to tell them that there was a ghost and so i was like it's charlie oh my god charlie's there and i was just like but you don't like don't don't invite them in because they're still a ghost or whatever and they're like oh, okay and like they said they'd been uh hearing like swishing in their hallways mm. and like they'd all be in bed and they'd hear like you know like how you can hear like two people like, walking down the hallway like they'd hear that within their room and like they'd hear because you know you close the doors to your room when you sleep mm-hmm. so they hadn't in- invited him at least into the bedrooms but in the main common area he'd somehow gotten in oh. and like they could hear him swishing at night um there was like a lot of weird things with like suddenly like food would rot really quickly and like they didn't understand how what if i like casually was just like oh yeah oranges were rotting in the I apartment would... no 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 there wasn't oh. anything Flip like that back over this Done. chair like no oh no my but God. there was just like some really like weird small blips of things and i was like let me just tell you um you don't want to talk to these mm. other side things don't like do anything they're like should we have a seance and i was like no no, Mm-mm. no. Mm-mm. that oh. just attracts them even more it's just basically putting a stamp on your forehead being like me me pick mm-hmm. me like no, 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 no. We don't do that. No. Yeah, any engagement. Yeah, yeah. It My, feels like it would attract them more. Yeah. Uh. There's also another story about a group of guys this time that were sensing something too, and they even seen it, like firsthand. It had to do with pillows on a couch and a picture falling. Oh, yeah. That one was the creepier one. That's the one I've recently heard that happened. I think a month ago. Yeah, yeah. Oh shoot, I can't actually remember the exact date. Um. But it was some people on the first floor. And, or no, it was on my floor. It was on my floor. That's why, that's uh, why it freaked it me out. out so much. <laughs> no. I did. I blocked this out. God damn it. Because um, uh. I was like, kind of like hearing things on the first floor, hearing things on the third floor. And I was like, it's not on the second floor. We're fine. They're We're leapfrogging. Fuck. Um, but basically, it's this all room of guys. Super chill. Really nice guys. And um, I was doing like, going around to rooms and like talking to people. And... Um, I open, they open their door and they're like, oh my God, thank God you're here. And I was like, what's up? And they're just like, so you've seen the ghost, right? And I was like, yeah, I've seen the ghost. <laughs> Have you seen the picture? And they're like, yeah, we saw the picture of him. And they're like, we think he's in our room. Oh and God. I was like, what makes you think you're he's in your room? <laughs> and, and they'll be like, so um, th- there's only three guys who live in this apartment. And they all went to bed this one night. And their last person up like put everything away and went to bed and closed the like they have like to get to their bedroom you almost have to go through the the bathroom so like Mm. you close the bathroom door and then you close the bedroom door so it's like double sealed and um they came out the next morning and they'd heard like shuffling or something in the night and they were just like nah it's probably like one of my other roommates like moving around in their sleep 
Um, but they'd all been awake at one point in the night and like heard it mm. and then like all went back to sleep thinking, oh, it was someone in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then so they go out and the couch cushions have been like ripped out of the couch, which they're kind of they're ve- the cushions are Velcro mm-hmm. in the couch. Yeah. And oh, um, they'd been stacked on the one chair, like all like weirdly perfect. And there'd been this picture of um, the Joker which oh of course God. it had to be the fucking Joker, of course. and and um, it had like fallen off the wall, and the glass had broken, and so like it was like it it ha- was up with like um, command strips or whatever, mm. so it shouldn't have fallen, and it was like plasticky glass or whatever, so like all of these things are like fall proof, you know, mm-hmm. and so it f- had fallen and it hit the ground on like the corner of it and it shattered up, mm. and then um, like the other like cushions from the couch or whatever were like strewn around because they had like two pillows on the couch and they were like on the floor and they were like oh my god no what happened they're like we didn't do anything Mm. and we none of us were awake none of us got up during the night i was the last person to bed like there's no reason that any of this should happen i was just like i gotta go like yeah (laughs) the stacking of Mm -hmm. things is so creepy It's a sign of something negative right there. Oh. When it starts to do shit like this, it's not because it's fucking sassy and artistic. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 one thing. I yeah. mean, yeah. That but that is, is not okay. that that is not a good thing. And and to top it off, one of my assistants that works with me in the costume shop, she feels stuff and she was even telling me, Yeah, I feel like there's something outside of my door. It could be the wind, but I just noticed that when it's the wind, it you could you could hear the windows kind of vibrate. In this one instance, it sounded like someone was pressing against the glass. Mm. Like, the way that the door was, like, moving, it just looked like someone was leaning against it or pressing against it as if it was trying to get in. And then they also have a record player in the apartment. It's in the living room. Music. Music. I know. Well, the freaking record players, one of those record players that you've seen in Urban Outfitters, Mm -hmm. well, this one is unplugged. And there's a record in there. And out of nowhere, it will start rotating. It will start playing on its own. Like something's trying to make it play, even though it's unplugged. What? No. It's fucked up. Leave, it's fucked up. I'm leave like, music I'm like, alone. Get rid of it. Get yeah. rid of it. Oh <laughs> my God. How? It's Orange Grove, the record. No. I, oh my God. That is so I'm creepy. I'm I'm going home. Yeah. <laughs> this has been enough. And this is how all the students went home. And this is how all the students died. I like, know. Oh, my God. That is so uh, crazy. Yeah. It gets, like, there's so many parts of campus and part of housing where, like, I have to go places mm-hmm. alone. And it, there's, like, an exercise room downstairs. And it's literally, like, it's on the same level mm-hmm. as um, the costume shop. Like, not, like, attached yeah, at all, but the same ground level. Mm. level. Yeah, yeah. Like the basement, and um, there's like all these mirrors or whatever. Like I had to hide the final clue for the Charlie Chaplin like scavenger hunt down there, and I'd been feeling more and more things as I'd like done more research into him Mm. and for the scavenger hunt. And I was like, I feel really weird about it because I put myself on his radar. Mm. Like I made myself like I'm looking into his shit. Mm -hmm. Like I'm trying to know more, and I'm like, I just hope he doesn't show me anything because I've had enough. (laughs) Like, and like I had to go down and like put 
the um, final clue behind this weird like glass door that was just there for maintenance or whatever and like I wouldn't look in the reflection because sometimes you get that feeling where you're like Mm -hmm. I know if I look for it I'll find it yeah and like I get that feeling of like a heaviness and like somebody being near you all the time like it's so bad it's so bad it just—it sounds like he already made his mark, you know. Mm-hmm. As ba- as negative as it sounds, scary as it sounds, I mean, that's what they do. It's like, well, now you see me, now you're gonna have to deal with me, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, in your, in everyone's opinion, what do you think? You think our job is haunted, or your school is haunted by the ghost of Charlie Chaplin, or is this something a little more sinister? I don't think it's Charlie Chaplin. Uh, well, for first of all, if you go by just the base rules of hauntings we talked a lot about this with the george reeve case specifically and it traditionally is in the place where they pass that's usually a good rule of thumb so unless it's really circumventing him he died in europe you know what i mean so it's possible i think you could maybe make an argument that that's where his life and energy were being poured into he was making so many films at that time but I think if you go by like traditional rules of haunting, it doesn't really make sense that it would be him. Mm-hmm. I personally think it's something more nefarious, unfortunately. Yeah. So good luck. Yay, great. <laughs> no, and that's the thing. Uh, I think awareness is a strong weapon in the you know what I mean, being aware without like you were saying, giving in or like inviting in yeah. or giving into being aware makes you smart without just bumbling into a a worse situation but yeah i think you also have to find that balance what about you (laughs) (laughs) i'll tell you what i'm fucking thinking (laughs) (laughs) um so so i think it is haunted uh just based off of personal experience Mm -hmm. um i also i don't think it's charlie chaplin just because of the negativeness that has been surrounding Mm. it what really interested me was like what Peyton was saying about how like a part of them like the negative residue because you always hear this like someone initially dies the whole of them is preserved as a ghost like like there's different parts and there's more layers to it but as time goes on what sticks are those key emotions and those key things that really drove them as a person Mm -hmm. and so we were talking about his life and like how horrible a lot of the beginning of it was and how like messy it got towards the end and what what feelings he must have had specifically on campus like going there seeing his mom Hmm. like deteriorate in front of his eyes and then going and working those crazy hours like it makes sense that a dark part of him Mm -hmm. or of something would latch on to that and that would be the key part that stayed throughout everything and again i think that ties back into that there were sort of two sides of him as mm-hmm. an adult anyway um, when he was so one of his uh, wives there was a very messy lawsuit involved mm-hmm. and the main crux of the lawsuit that then J. Edgar Hoover latched onto when he started like swept Charlie Chaplin up in like the McCarthyism mm-hmm. chaos oh, of yeah. the 50s was that she accused him of having like really dark sexual fetishes and being very like controlling and manipulative and she was awarded a a a paternity test again like or like he had to pay for a child that might not have been his honestly again the Mm -hmm. science was so bad back then in that regards 
Um, but also because of is so damning to his character, mm-hmm. she was awarded this huge payment at the time. I think it was like six hundred thousand dollars, but wow. again in like nineteen fifty three or whenever, she was yeah. like set for life essentially. Um, and that was the main crux of it is that it was like not that she could even prove that he had done anything, yeah. but that his reputation and his character Which, were so besmirched by like wow. these darker parts of his personality essentially mm-hmm. and again I think it speaks to yeah it was more normalized mm-hmm. but there's something wrong when a 50 year old is courting and pursuing 16 year olds yeah. there's something there you know he did he stayed with his fourth wife until the day that he died mm-hmm. and she set up his foundation and so you know you can argue like well that love was probably the purest of the four mm-hmm. but there's still something there that is yeah. not yeah. very copacetic I agree on that one. Maybe that, maybe it is Charlie. Maybe it's just this darker residue of him mm-hmm. that was left behind, or maybe it's both Charlie and this victim that is supposedly buried underneath this orange grove or this mm. orange tree. Maybe he's more attracted to, and he's so bitter about how he died, and he's so bitter that he's now attracted to the negativity that's probably coming out of that building, wow. and and is attracted to that energy. Uh, maybe Charlie is the only one that just resides primarily in those bungalows yeah. and by the theater. Yeah. It could be two. And he is probably most likely that negative enter- energy is attracted to that, attracted to the little girl, attracted to all these students that mm. are harboring and carrying into campus, you know, their mental health issues, their personal issues. And he's like feeding off of that. Wow. They gain energy out of fear and mm. negative thoughts and energy as well. So, that's another conclusion as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ugh. So I know for sure, is our job haunted? Yes. Is it is is our is the Academy our job haunted by the ghost of Charlie Chaplin? Could be. But is it also haunted by this negative energy that it's attracted to our students that are coming in with all sorts of mm. you know, situations and energy? Most likely, mm-hmm. for sure. And it's all to do with, you know, that building, the earth the history, everything. And I think, you know, it just goes back to there's never, when we talk about these kinds of things, there's never a black and white 100%, like like you were saying, Katie, it's the full ghost of Charlie Chaplin fully realized with his little cane. That's not realistic. What makes more sense to me, and like you were saying, Tammy, it's such a good point, Yeah, it's probably an amalgamation of a couple different yeah. things, and then it's manifesting in these like very specific ways. Yeah. That's a really good point. Well, <laughs> so we're not coming in tomorrow. We're uh, going to be taking the majority of our sick days. I'd walk out of this room and just be like, he's with me. No. <laughs> Let's call him Chester. I think that's really funny. <laughs> Chester molester. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Lock up your girls. Yes. They're between the ages of 15 and 18. <laughs> <laughs> Well, before we close this episode, I want to say thank you to Katie yes, for being so one of our much. first and special guests. I know that this, you know, this, this time's a little emotional, but we really do appreciate it. This I, was, I mean, this was, I mean, when you're telling us about the story about the shadow guy, I mean, you were just getting a little shaky. I mean, it yeah. takes a lot. I mean, it was scary. Yeah. But I mean, like, this is, 
if if I had to talk about really scary situations with two other people, like I would, <laughs> I would choose you guys a million yes, times. Yeah, we did it. I'm just so glad that you thought of me in the yes. first place. You're like, guess who we should talk really fucked up with? Katie <laughs> <laughs> like Who's a dark soul that we know? Oh, Katie, great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. That's what I wanted. You know. Perfect. Yes, yes. <laughs> Before we come to a close, I want to do our spiritual bays of the week. So there's a couple of them I really want to do a big shout out to. First off, Crystal Smith Conley, who is bay with the blog. She mentioned us on her blog, which is paranormalcrystal.blogspot.com. Hey, girl. She is <laughs> she is a fellow paranerd, and we appreciate the recognition and support. Thank you so much, Crystal. I also want to give a shout out to Girls vs. Ghosts. They are a paranormal blog radio show on girlsvsghosts.com. They recently did an amazing interview with Elizabeth Saint from Ghost of Shepherdstown. She's also a badass engineer and ghost investigator. And Sharla and Beth are the two hosts that shine a light into dark places and bring the past to life. They are also creating a second show called Paranormal Preservation, which will be a monthly or bi-weekly segment featuring endangered haunted locations slash buildings, and it's really cool. Their episode with Elizabeth Saint was amazing because it was so, well, first, female empowerment. Thank you, women. Thank you so much because, I mean, at times I feel like, you know, even in the paranormal industry, it could be very male-dominated. And Elizabeth Saint, like, said something really amazing, too. Um, As a closer, she, you know, she had a, a little antidote for people coming into this industry, especially younger women, is to never feel boxed in, never feel like you should single yourself out as one thing. You should go out and venture into different avenues. And to me, that was so empowering because I'm a costume designer and you know, people know me as a designer, but they don't know that this is another side of me that I love yeah. the paranormal, I love talking about it. And, and you know, to have Bryce on board to start this little journey with me and to have this podcast has been amazing. I think we can all agree that I'm the most empowered woman. You are <laughs> the biggest golden girl. Thank you. No, I love that. That's so, that's such good advice. They're amazing. I mean, I tip my hat off to them and I love their, their little blog radio show. And then lastly, Hillbilly Horror Stories. Yes. Jerry and Tracy Polly, they are the husband the and best. wife duo feature paranormal stories with a twist they incorporate music in the beginning of each episode and they set a tone for the theme of their storytelling i've always been a fan jerry's a hoot he's amazing he's so sweet and i don't know how tracy does it i don't know how tracy puts up with him he's crazy but tracy is a goddess and i made that very known um, they're also having some pretty amazing guests for their next coming episodes. They recently had done a huge interview with Chad Lindbergh, who just got done with his show, Chad Lindbergh's Badass Celebrity Ghost Hunt with Chip Coffee that aired yesterday on Haunted Space. And he will soon be having Amy Bruni this weekend from Destination America's Kindred Spirits. She's bay with the red hair. And then she'll soon have the OG Ghost Hunter from Sci-Fi's Ghost Hunters, Grant Wilson. So you better keep tabs on them because they're going to be having all these amazing people on their show and they're an amazing podcast and they're an amazing duo. And they've been so nice and helpful to us. Thank you so much. They have been. I've been talking to Jerry and and they're so sweet. This whole community is so fucking awesome. If I haven't mentioned you last week or this week your we will, time is coming your time is coming <laughs> trust me I see you guys on Twitter <laughs> I, see you. I sees you 
All right. Thank you guys for tuning in. Also, as another note, if you like the show and if you want to help us out a little more, please go on iTunes and read us four, five stars, preferably five stars, whatever you feel. <laughs> you know, it really does help our show a lot. It helps us get, get out there and, you know, become a little more visible. We're also on Spotify, Blueberry, and of course, SoundCloud. And we really, really need your help just to comment and also subscribe and just rate us. It really does help us out. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in. Stay tuned for next weekend. I don't know what we're going to do. <laughs> but it will be a big surprise. <laughs> yes. We are living on the edge. We are. We're risk takers. Halsey. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.